welcome to All Things Yoga. I'm Hilary Lockwood. Um, so today is Monday, and I feel like I'm not alone when I say Mondays tend to be uh, a bit overwhelming. <laughs> um, and you know there are names for it. Like I have the Mondays. When you wake up and immediately you're already grumpy, you're already grouchy, right? So what do we do? How do we turn it around? Coffee helps. Not gonna lie, it does. So let's everybody take a sip of coffee. But really, I mean, how do we begin to flip this energy? So there is a phrase for this in yoga. It's called pratipaksha bahavanam. My husband would say that sounds delicious. Um, and this really does mean flipping a negative to a positive. How do we reapproach the day from a space that allows us to start fresh, to just wipe the slate clean and try to begin from a place of calm, from a place of feeling more grounded, more settled in ourselves, so that not only do we change the energy of that moment, but we change the approach to the day, the whole day. So I know that uh, a lot of my teachers and um, my students will say that they know what's coming, but yes, meditation. So meditation is such a, a taboo subject sometimes, and it gets this, you know, this weird rap that if you meditate, I mean, maybe this is a little old school, but if you meditate, then you, you know, you have all these little esoteric ideas that are right, like so far out there. That's not the truth. Meditation's been proven to change the chemistry of the brain. And it allows us truly to reset. Um, and there are so many studies, medical studies, on how meditation not only improves focus, but it also de-stresses, how it allows this refiring of things that in like traumatic brain injury, this refiring of things that have disconnected. It's extraordinary. Meditation can be daunting though, because if you don't already have a meditation practice, right? The, the, the first thing that we do is we think to ourselves, okay, well, meditation is just sitting. So I'm going to pick a spot and I'm just going to sit still, which honestly, that's not a terrible start, but we tend to be just as distracted, if not more so. So we have this set up this system, right? The eight limbs of the practice, the Ashtaangani. And one of these limbs is Dharana. And Dharana is this place of absolute single focus. The way that I like to, because that's difficult, right? The way that I like to explain this is it's the distraction that distracts us from our distractions. So, and it doesn't matter what you choose. Dharana is simply the doorway that we knock on to lead us into meditation. And it, when we're first practicing, it becomes this true doorway that as we are starting meditation, whether we use breath, whether we use a mantra, whether we use an object like a stone or a crystal or a picture, um, it doesn't matter because it's just the doorway. So doesn't matter what you knock on, right? It's this distraction to take us out of this pulling of kids and work and 
grocery store and all the shit that we have to do every single day, right? So, Tarana, single focus, uh, is just this one-pointedness to sort of ping-pong you back from distraction, external distraction, back into internal distraction, right? It gives us something, something to focus on. And so we are going to do a meditation together today. And we're going to use breath as our single focus. Pranayama, which is also a limb, uh, breath work is a really beautiful way into stilling the mind and beginning to clear just the, the cobwebs, the clutter, the chaos out of the way. And so as we begin to use pranayama, we're just going to be really specific about breath and counting the breath and allowing this to be that distraction that distracts us from our distractions. One of the most important things when you're starting a meditation practice is that you need to be comfortable. And I know that, you know, yogis get in lotus and it seems effortless, untrue. Lotus Padmasana is one of the most difficult postures in the practice. And it can take decades to get comfortable or even find that space. And so don't think that you can't sit in meditation if you can't sit in lotus or if you can't sit cross-legged. It doesn't matter. You can do meditation in a chair. If you have really tight hips, one of the best things that I give to my students is make sure that you're sitting on something, a pillow, a Zoloft, which is a meditation cushion, a bolster, something that lifts your bottom above your knees. Now, if you're choosing then to still be cross-legged, you can choose to have the bolster not only behind your bottom, but then a block or a smaller bolster, pillows, couch pillows, whatever, underneath each knee, each knee, so that as the knees begin to fall, you don't start to feel pain in the knees, in the hips, etc. I do like using blocks, I mean uh, bolsters, better than blocks, because bolsters allow this give. So as your bodies actually begin to open and the tightness softens and surrenders, the bolster allows that dropping down. Whereas a block is actually going to stop your action. Both are great. Um, doesn't really matter what you use as long as you feel you have that support if you need it. Um, and then lean up against a wall, you guys. Why would we torture ourselves trying to sit upright, even for five, 10 minutes? If you're new to meditation, this can begin to feel really achy in the low back, mid back, upper back, hips, knees, etc. So lean up against a wall have that support. I always tell my students, the more comfortable you are, the longer you're going to be able to sit, period, right? The body won't become this distraction and why you come out. Well, I'm achy or my feet are falling asleep or my knees hurt. That's going to bring you out of meditation for sure. So maybe we get as comfortable as we can get so that the mind really can begin to still and find a gentle focus so that our body, the achiness, the pain, never want you in pain, by the way, isn't why you come out of meditation. And, you know, sometimes it's so frustrating because when that happens, it's as soon as you feel like you've begun to find a place of quiet that 
the body starts talking. Remember last episode, we talked about yoga being the body, the mind, and the spirit. And we need all three of these pieces to be really ready and willing before we jump into something, whether that is meditation, dhyana, or whether that is breath work, pranayama, or whether that's vinyasa or the movement of the practice, basics, power yoga, whatever, the asana, right? We need all three of these spaces, body, mind, soul to be on board so that we can jump in, which simply means know your body today, be present in it, recognize what already may be feeling achy or uncomfortable and support that space. Whether it's a bolster at the small of your back against the wall, I actually like a small bolster to go down the length of the spine so that rather than leaning up against the wall and still feeling this curvature of the back, which can tend to get achy, it allows the softness again to push into the bolster so that you have a little extra cushion. You could put, you know, a, a pillow or a cushion between shoulders at the back of the head, lean against the wall. You can have your legs straight out in front. I do not care. <laughs> as long as you are comfortable. Now, people will say, well, can I just lie down then? No, that's different. So this is why. There are all kinds of meditation. You can do walking meditation, which is moving meditation. You can do uh, yoga nidra, which is essentially a form of guided meditation. But when you lie down, like in a shavasana space, which is what comes at the end of an asana practice, when you lie flat, the prana is just, prana is your life force, your life energy. The prana is being absorbed in a really gentle sort of surrendered way. Whereas when you're sitting upright, it takes a little bit of life. It takes some effort to get this prana to come from that seated space, from your base, all the way up through the crown, which is really what we want to think about. Can I distribute this energy that I'm flipping from grumpy to happy, from whatever, overwhelmed or busy to calm and focused? Can I take it from the base, from the ground, and distribute it into all of my pieces so that I feel rejuvenated, re-energized everywhere, rather than soft, sweet, settled. It's all so beautiful. It's really great, but it's a, it's a great way to end the day rather than begin it. So I do want you to try to stay upright in this meditation, and that's why I want the legs, the hips, as comfortable as they can possibly be. Um, all right, so let's get settled in. Uh, I'm going to stay in my chair just so that I don't have to wiggle you guys around with me, with me too much. Um, okay, and once you're settled, again, it can be any position for those legs. You can be leaning up against the wall, totally up to you. I want you to gently close your eyes. Once the eyes are closed, and if, if meditation is new for you and you're doing this with someone else and maybe you guys have set a goal that you're going to sit every day, that's amazing. If, you, if little giggles happen off the bat, I don't care. That's awesome. Laughing is a form of therapy for your soul, truly. Crying as well, right? I say that crying is the shower for your soul. So express what you need to express always. Now, of course, if you're a room with a bunch of other people in meditation, you want to, as best you can, honor that noble silence. But that never means hold back what you feel. It never means stifle what you need to express. So 
let's kind let's find a comfortable seated space and think about lifting the body nice and tall off of the bottom body so off of the carriage with the eyes closed i want you to put the palms on the lap and turn them upright when our palms are up it just really allows us to energetically be a part of the room the universe each other of everything that moves around us when we turn them downward it takes the energy back down into the ground which sometimes that's really amazing because it helps to reground us or bring a, a sense of stability security right it's really nice though to be a part of all things to not only take the energy that you need but then share it share what you have to give so we're going to turn those palms upright today really lift through your belly i want you to put your attention eyes closed into the base of your spine or the pelvic floor so this pelvic floor is called mula bandha and this is a space that roots but then rebounds not only anatomically the physical body right but our energetic body as well so this is one of those spaces women if you've ever been pregnant uh kegels this is essentially the space where mula bandha sits and we want to lift this in and up this begins the energetic internal core space which allows the support for the internal body and this is really helpful to keep the body upright throughout the meditation and to keep this prana running so if you think about first this rooting space or energy downward but then this pulling upward almost like a trampoline this pulling upward of all of the life energy up and through us into every single space the brain the heart all of it the chest the belly every space so lift that pelvic floor in and up and then i want you to take a moment just to assess the body just to feel the bits and pieces the toes and the legs am i comfortable am i settled do i need to shift around really quick before we set in soften your shoulders lift your heart space always right an open heart is an open mind and this really just allows this love smile to shine up right the space between the breast and the shoulder the moons we just lift them to sky and then i want you to really consciously soften your face so soften the jaw the tongue the eyes good and then from there i want you to think of widening your forehead so as you widen this space right we're just trying to get rid of all those worry lines that uh anyone who's a parent has in their face especially between the eyebrows i want you to just gently sweetly think of softening and opening up this space into so much expansion that you really start to feel a gentle relaxation come through the face good now from there i want you just to recognize the patterning of your own breath your natural breath where it's going what it's doing and observe it that that means without judgment recognize if the breath feels really shallow and it feels as if it's only touching the chest or the belly or maybe maybe begin to recognize this 
these spaces that are holding tension or that are not getting breath, right? Because those become more important. Where is the breath not going? Which then means those are the spaces that the prana, the energy is not getting to. So as you lift really tall and the heart is lifted and the eyes are closed and the face is soft and we're listening to this breath, the breath is going to be our dharana, our intention throughout this meditation today. So I want you to take a nice big inhale through the nose and then exhale out the mouth. Just wipe the slate clean. And then through the nose, I want you to inhale to the count of one, two, three, four. I want you to pause, two, three, four. Through the nose, exhale, one, two, three, four. Then gently pause, two, three, four. Now go back to your natural breath. Ratio breathing is such a really lovely way to take the mind out of distraction. This counting that happens as we're honoring the process of breath and where the breath is going. So it's okay if this doesn't exactly happen this way because we'll continue to work on this through our episodes as this podcast continues. But I want you to think of with every inhale, expanding your back body before your front body. And with every exhale, emptying your front body before your back body. It's okay if that seems like, what the hell? Just, just see how it goes. More than anything, I really want you to focus on the counting. Now, the pause at the top is called the Antara Kumbhaka. And this is the retention after the inhale. When we're inhaling, we're inviting in. We're taking in what we know we need. We're taking in newness, freshness. We're taking in new life for the day. And as we pause, we get to stop and see all of that newness, all of that freshness, to feel it. And as we exhale, we're releasing, we're letting go. And we're letting go of the chaos, of the busy, of the overwhelm, of the grumpy, whatever it might be. And in that pause at the bottom, the baya kumbhaka, we're stopping to see the space that we've made and that courage of being able to let go of the crap that's been spinning probably all night in our dreams and came with us when we woke up, right? So again, let's take an inhale through the nose. Ah, just wipes the slate clean. And then through the nose, inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two, three, four. Exhale, one, two, three, four. Pause, one, two, three, four. Keep going, your pace, your breath. 
If you notice at any point that you feel like you could begin to expand, expand all of them equally. Five, six, ten, whatever it may be. Let this breath truly be the distraction that distracts you from your distractions. really being mindful of not staying too long in any one space that you start to feel panicky or the energy shifts from calm and positive to anxious or stuck or caught. Just really let the freedom happen in it. We begin to feel and find our natural pace for our own breath and the longer the slower, the deeper the breath, the longer, the slower, the deeper the life of the yogi. And so we have to just settle presently where we are. The beginning of that is the count of three or four. And then maybe at some point in the depth and the life of your practice, it gets longer and longer. But that doesn't need to happen today. Really focus in. Don't let anything distract. Let's take three more cycles like this. Your pace, your breath. You may begin to observe that the pause at the top is more comfortable than the pause at the bottom or vice versa. And that's just observing that maybe, maybe we are more comfortable taking in newness, that we're more comfortable allowing a fresh space 
than we are letting go of things. Maybe we tend to hang on to things too tightly and it's harder to release them. And maybe it's the other way. Maybe you have a harder time just taking in newness and adding new things to to the mix or, you know, uh, inviting in a fresh perspective. And maybe you're way more comfortable letting things go, releasing things that need to leave that are, are not that are not necessary or that are unneeded or unwanted. After your very last cycle, allow that exhale to travel out the mouth. And just take a moment to feel the effects of the breath. Recognize what's shifted and changed. Recognize how you feel in the body, in the brain. Let's take a nice big inhale together. Ah. We'll blink the eyes very sweetly open. When you're starting a meditation practice, it does not have to be long. It can be five minutes. Five minutes a day will change everything, truly. Try it out. Why not, right? That's your homework to see if you can sit five minutes, three days this week. For those of you who already sit, expand that time. What I think you'll find is that as you start to do this on a regular basis, it's something that you'll need. It's something that you really can't come into the day or reset the day or finish the day without it. That being said, you know, you may begin to play with the times that you meditate. My best time of the day to practice asana as well as meditation is the middle, the middle of the day, middle of the day. I am not an early person. I, my body doesn't move the same way in the morning. I'm not as focused and I'm a little too caught up in what needs to happen throughout the day. And so if I can take those moments in the middle to truly reset, it allows me this fresh start back into the rest of the day, relaxed and open. I'm much more distracted first thing. But some, you know, some people, they have to sit first thing in the morning. It allows the chaos to go away right away. And it sets the tone for the day. And others just really need to jump into the day, get most of it done. And at the end of the day, take that really lovely sit that allows them to shed what needs to go, that allows them to sleep more peacefully. So fiddle with that as well. You'll notice that as you get consistent with five minutes, you're going to want to expand that time. You're just going to want to. You're going to feel like five minutes goes too quickly and you want more. And that's lovely. Expand it. 
I sit an hour every time I sit. It's lovely for me. I still so long on my mat. It takes me a good 10 minutes in my dharana, in my single focus to begin to clear my mind from the day, from the kids, from the studios, from all of it. So just give yourself the time that you need, right? Now, that being said, when I started meditation, I didn't sit 10 minutes. I sat probably five minutes and then began to explore expanding. For me, now three decades on my mat, I sitting less than an hour, half an hour feels really good too, but sitting less than that doesn't, I don't feel like I get anywhere. So just know that you can continue to expand the time as you feel it's necessary and be present. You know, some days you're going to need 10 minutes, other days you're going to need an hour. And that's just the truth of it. The hope, right? The idea is that it becomes this really consistent, sweet space that you find where you take time for you and that place of true self-care and that place of taking a moment to stop, to truly stop and see, see what's going on in your head, see what chitta riti busy is spinning and how much chaos you're dealing with and how much of the patterning that's spinning that's happening is not good for you. Meditation is such a beautiful way to observe. I'm going to say this constantly. Observe. Don't judge. Don't criticize. Don't punish. Observe. I found my cancer in meditation. And I was a 15-year yogini at the time. And I was sitting consistently. And these images kept coming to me. I kept really hearing this internal voice that was talking about cancer, that was warning me about things that I didn't I didn't want to hear. It's really interesting when you fall into the deep space of meditation, you're going to get really clear messages and sometimes they're not messages. They're not messages you want to listen to. And I feel like I did absolutely eventually listen and truly became the, my own advocate for my process through my cancer and I will tell that story fully at some point, not today. Um, but I did begin to trust it and really listen to it. And I truly, truly believe that my meditation practice is one of the main reasons that I am alive today. And one of the main reasons that I am not just chronically anxious and depressed. Um, there's a lot to process in our lives, just in general, in all of our lives. And if you use meditation as a really sweet way to process and to stop and listen, it will work for you. It will. Um, it's just getting to that point where you trust it. And that can't happen unless you start. And we have to start somewhere, right? So start with this five minutes and see how it goes. All right. We're going to uh, finish off with an OM this afternoon, but I want to explain OM because I think there is this stigma against OMing and chanting and this idea that it has something to do with a particular religion. It doesn't. Neither does yoga. Light on 
yoga says it best. It's an Iyengar book. And he says, as philology is the study of all languages, yoga is the study of all belief systems. And so oming is simply the recognition of all three states of our own consciousness. Om is spelled A-U-M traditionally. It's these three parts. And the A represents the waking state. The U represents the dream state. And the M represents the dreamless sleep state. And so if we're taking that in forms of like how I go through my day, it's the ah, this ah sound is me recognizing what I presently have to do. My tangible thinking, walking through the world, very awake self, here, now, etc. And then the ooh, the dream state, is all of the stuff that comes with us, right? Whether it's past lifetimes and, you know, we'll dive into that at some point. Whether it's things that you were literally dreaming about that came with you when you woke, right? How all of this is impacting the day and to give that credit and honor it as important as well. And then the mm, this M sound is the dreamless sleep state. And this is the place of setting a more positive future for ourselves, whether that's in a fraction of a second or whether that's the future Hillary's or the future lifetimes as whatever I'm supposed to be going to be. We literally just honored that future self by changing the energy. So we presently, with this ah, processed probably what was there in the dream state because we woke up with it, whether that was grumpy, whether that was overwhelm, chaos, etc. the dream state. And then we put pratipaksha bahavanam, this flipping of energies into practice to set a more positive day for ourselves, to set this future day, the pathway that we're going to travel today in a more positive way, to set a more positive spin on it, to see a more positive light to carry us through the day. So we'll take one ohm today. And as we do that together, allow the resonance to just continue to clear the brain from the meditation. Bring hands to namaste. And please, namaste means the light in me honors that same light in you. So if you want to take that into a deeper sense of definition, you absolutely can. That creative soul in me honors the creative soul in you. The deepest sense of soul and spirit in me honors that same in you. It's just recognizing that we're all part of each other and yeah, that we can come together in a, in a beautiful resonant sound. So let's take a nice big inhale. Go into your day with peace, with love, with a cleaner, clearer perspective. And at any point, if you need to reset, sit down, count those breaths, even for three cycles, and just start fresh. All right, you guys. Namaste. Shanti, which means peace. Have a beautiful day.